New year, new venue. Here we are. I'd like to give a special thanks. I'm just going to start with a huge risk. Is Jim Grady in the room? Jim, somewhere, nowhere. He's the reason we're here. Of course, terrible way to start 2018. Um, there's just something about new year, new, or yeah, new year, new you that just has a ring to it. Does anyone agree? Has anyone said that this week at some point? There we go. All the cool kids in the room are raising their hands currently. I love New Year's. Just the idea of it, for whatever reason, this year was like, it was so exciting that there was a new year. 2017 wasn't that bad, but for whatever reason, I was stoked about 2018. And, uh, and so, so stoked that I uh, started to ask people like, you know, what are your resolutions? I wanna hear and get excited about what everyone else is doing as well. And so I took... Uh, I took a poll of a bunch of people in Waco, and, and here are some of the, some of the resolutions I've heard uh, this week thus far. Uh, probably the most impressive resolution I've heard is one of our friends that comes to Vertical almost every week. He told me he's going to watch every sunset in 2018, and I told him, good luck with that. And uh, I have another friend who told me he's going to run two miles every day in the elements, which means outside, and I think that's dumb. It was like 20 degrees last week here in Waco. It was absolutely freezing, um, and so I just think that's dumb. One of my friends told me he's simply gonna read more and eat less. I was like, that's a great idea, bro. How are you gonna track that? Like, there's no tracking system for that stuff. Um, students, though, I've realized, we were talking with a group of vertical volunteers yesterday, and I kind of went around the room and asked about resolutions, and most most students don't have resolutions, which is actually uh, against statistics. About 40% of Americans make resolutions each and every year. But I, this last one struck me. I asked a girl, I was like, what are your resolutions um, this year? And she was like, you know what? I thought of a few of them and I can't remember them. And I was like, that's how you do it, guys. Just make resolutions and then forget them because you can't fail something that you've forgotten, right? That's the way to do this whole thing, this whole new, new year, new you. Just forget it all, right? And then lastly, uh, these, these are like my resolutionaries, are the people that are starting to do Whole30. Is anyone doing Whole30 currently? Wow, more power to you. Congratulations, you're now like catching, you're like the, ahead of the curve. I think we'll be here next year when I ask the same question. Half of the people, okay, have lost everyone um, thus far that have, has, have never heard of Whole30. But anyways, if you don't know what it is, it's excellent, changed my life. Anyways, uh, again, as I said, 40% of Americans make resolutions. Only 8% reach them, achieve them. And in fact, 42% of people that make resolutions each and every year um, will never achieve them. Raise your hand if that's you. You're like, I make resolutions every year and I never do any of them. I never complete them. Anyone? Anyone willing to admit? No? Okay, a few of you. I hear yeses. Nobody's willing to raise their hand though. But here's the reality. 25% of all resolutions have failed by today for 2018. 25% are already done. You've already failed. You didn't run two miles today. You didn't keep eating the whole 30. You didn't see the sunset tonight. But something I wanna encourage you with this is this, for, for millennials, you're more likely to like, achieve resolutions than your parents. Did you know this? 37% um, of millennials achieve their resolutions. That's a pretty good statistic. Um, parents, 
Hopefully none of them are watching the live stream. Hopefully not my mom either. But quite frankly, they're only 15% of 50-year-old plus achieve resolutions each and every year. So our generation seems to have something right about resolutions. But tonight, the reason why I start with that is because um, it's the first week in 2018 and that's like what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to start with resolutions. That's the reality. But what I want us to do tonight is I wanna change our perspective. I don't necessarily want us to think of resolutions because based on statistics, they fail. What I want us to do tonight is I want us uh, to simply uh, live with resolve. It's very similar to a resolution, but resolve is different. A resolution is a defined decision to do or not do something. Resolve is a firm determination to do something. You're like, there's not much difference there, Dale. You're right, but there is a slight difference. Here's the difference. One is a short-term decision. The other is a way of life. In short, resolve goes beyond 2018. It goes beyond this year. And so there's this famous theologian named Jonathan Edwards. He's a preacher, philosopher, theologian, and he had all of these really intense resolutions. If you wanna do something fun, go look up a few of Jonathan Edwards' resolutions. But I wanna read, um, I'll read two of them for you tonight. We don't have too much time. So I'll just read two of them for you. Try to stay with me. There's some old English in here, 1700s kind of stuff, okay? But that's okay, you're, in, you're college students. You had to take Brit Lit and stuff. Anyways, American Lit. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) Resolved, Jonathan Edwards says this, resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good, profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration, all my life, without any consideration of time, as long as it takes, he's gonna do everything that he can to be most for God's glory. That's his first resolution, his resolve. His sixth one is to resolve to live with all of his might every single day. What a resolve. Like he literally is gonna check himself each and every day. And the reason why I start with resolutions and resolve and the reason why I mention Jonathan Edwards is because tonight we're not gonna talk about making a resolution. We're gonna talk about living with resolve because running two miles a day every day in 2018 might be really good. But living with resolve and dying to ourselves daily is so much greater. It's good versus greater. It's, it, it's, it's simple in 2018 versus a lifetime of life or walking it out. And so um, tonight we're gonna talk about resolving to die to ourselves. We're gonna, we're gonna learn three things because I'm a Baptist kid. I grew up in a Baptist church. There's three points and I'm happy to make fun of it, okay? But we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna, be, we're gonna learn that we need to be resolved to die. We're gonna, we, we're gonna learn we need to be resolved to pray and we're gonna learn that we need to be resolved to go. That's what we're called to. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke 9, 23 and 26, That's where we're gonna start tonight. We're gonna be all over the Bible. I think there's like 11 or 12 passages that we might hit tonight. So keep your Bibles open. It's Jesus speaking to his disciples and this is what he says. And he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, 
But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Our first point tonight is we must resolve to die. We must resolve to die to ourselves each and every day. And as you write that down, I want you to realize, or if you're writing it down, you might consider writing it down. There's only three points. You can write them down. It'll be pretty easy. As you're thinking about that, I just want you to realize that what Jesus is saying is absolutely crazy. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, if you wanna come after me, we're just gonna look straight at the verse again. There's three things you gotta do. Deny, him, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Let's look at these. One at a time, denying yourself. Worldly definition of denying self is you just remove all the fun of life. You can look it up on Merriam-Webster. You take out everything that's enjoyable. It's so countercultural to everything we've ever known, to everything we've ever been told. So Jesus is saying something absolutely radical. Deny yourself. Second, he is literally telling us to pick up a vessel of execution, a cross, the common way that people usually talk about it now is if you would like wear on your necklace a, an electric chair. That's totally weird. That's not normal at all. He's saying pick up that cross, that vessel of execution that is meant to be for the most serious criminals. You go ahead and take that thing, pick it up daily. I love that Luke includes the word daily. And then the third thing Jesus says is follow me. And I just wanna pause and I just wanna acknowledge that the gospel is here. Jesus is saying to his disciples, follow me. He's inviting them to the cross. One day, Jesus is gonna go to the cross and the disciples are gonna follow him there. In Luke 9, 22, the verse just before it, if you wanna look in your Bibles, it says, the son of man, Jesus, Jesus is speaking of himself. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised, on the third day be raised. I just wanna stop right here because usually we wait to the end and the gospel is this big surprise. Like Jesus is the answer. No, 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 no. Jesus is the beginning, middle, and everywhere and it's right here. Jesus is asking us to die but he's also showing us that he's already done it on our behalf. He isn't asking us to do something he hasn't already done. He's showing us that the Father's will and following the Father is far greater than anything our flesh desires. So die to yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus exemplified it in the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. Jesus reminds us of this in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest of the things of life will be added to you. So dying to ourselves is, 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 is this act of, of just removing our wants, our wills, our flesh, our sinful nature, and putting God before ourselves. It's dying to ourselves, resolve to die. And the reason why I wanna start the entire year of 2018 with this really, really weird, simple point is this. Because if we aren't dying to ourselves, then we're living for ourselves. If you're sitting here thinking tonight, I'm not sure what it looks like to die to myself, then most likely we're going about our days living for ourselves. 
if we're not dying to ourselves, then we are most certainly living for ourselves. So we must understand what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is calling us to, as he's asking us to follow him. And he's giving us even a warning in verse 25. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? To have all the popularity, have all of the power, all of everything that you can imagine, but lose your soul. That's what happens when we don't die to ourselves. We just tend to live for ourselves. And so you might be asking the question, how does this apply? How do I apply dying to self? What is something I can write down and make sure that I'm not going to continue to live for myself? What is it? What's the point? What's the application? What's the action item that you're gonna give us so I can leave here and just have this quick fix, right? That's what I would do if I were you. And I was once in your seat. What does it mean to die to ourselves? It's, it's really not an action or an application necessarily. I think it might be better for us to think of it more as a perspective. Each and every day, putting the Father's will above our own. He must increase, I must decrease, as it says in John three thirty three. That's what John the Baptist was saying about Jesus. That's the way of life, and it's us figuring out what that looks like each and every day. We're gonna talk more about this in a moment. But I think we can illustrate it this way. If we aren't dying to ourselves, then we're living for ourselves. That comes out in two separate ways usually. One, we tend to, to chase after sin. We do whatever we want. We live for ourselves. We choose the sin that we know we ought not to do. Correct? When we're living for ourselves, we indulge in these things that we know we ought not to do, whether it be lust or pride or this or that, whatever it is. That's the first way. But I think the other way that will be really practical to you is this. Anybody know what this is? Anybody have to make one of these for business writing class? It's a resume. Everyone's whispering it. It's kind of an intimate room. It's kind of intense. I like it. This is a resume. You know what it is? I don't know if you can see it in the back, but this is a resume. This is my resume from college, in fact. I turned this in. I don't know what grade I got, but all I know is this is my resume. This is oftentimes the things that I was living for in college that led me or kept me from dying to myself daily. When I was living for myself, I was most often doing things that are on here. I, uh, some of you live for your GPA. I, don't, I didn't live for my GPA. I didn't. <laughs> That's a sermon for another time. That's not, that wasn't my problem. Um, I, honors Eagle Scout. That's the only thing that I could take from high school, so I had to say it. I had to throw it in there. Like this GPA thing, but okay, other things that we live for. Work experience. It says right here, work and leadership experience. What do I have right here? Canica Camps Programs Director, served on leadership by mentoring 15 staff with accountability towards goals and tasks. In fact, Canica's here tonight, but here's the reality. That's a really fancy way of saying I did skits every summer. It was the lamest thing ever. But I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I did everything in my power to one day get on the stage. These people are clapping because they're like, yeah, I think he was probably good at skits, right? I don't know what they're clapping about. But here's the reality. Like, that's what I was living for. I wanted to be the guy on the stage. I just wanted to be the funny guy. I wanted to be the guy that was known. 
other things on my, on my uh, resume. I was in this fraternity and none of this fraternity like positions matter. What really mattered was I wanted to be on the position of the front row and sing. That's all that mattered. Why? Because I wanted to be in the Baylor Lariat front page in about six weeks. There's gonna be like 20 pictures and you're just hoping and praying that you're gonna be one of them so other people can see you, right? That's what I was living for. I was doing everything in my power to be that person. And I probably wasn't willing to say it. That's true. But that's what I was really living for. There's all these things on this, on this resume of life that we're trying. Maybe it's popularity. You can't put that on a resume. It doesn't get you anywhere. For whatever reason, Baylor dudes take intramurals. No, guys and girls, actually, take intramurals super seriously. You can't even put that on a resume. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. You're not going to be in a job interview and the, like, the guy's going to be like, man, it's really impressive. You won two intramural championships at your university. That's great. What's volleyball? That, you're going to have to explain what volleyball is. Nobody knows what that is. This has been way too long of a tangent. Resume. What I'm telling you you need to do is die to yourself. I'm not saying, hey, listen, before y'all watch me light this thing on fire, just chill. <laughs> chill for a second. Listen, I'm not telling you, you can't have a 4.0. I'm just telling you to quit living for the 4.0, okay? So what I'm asking you to do is to light your resume on fire. No, I'm not gonna do it. And so, um, <laughs> listen, I was kicked out of a state park when I was a Boy Scout and uh, for playing with fire. So I learned my lesson and I wanna be invited back here. Again, seek first the kingdom of God. And if you get a 4.0, praise God. (laughs) But don't make your whole life about it. First thing, resolve to die. If you forgot it already. (laughs) Turn your Bibles to Psalm 23. This is the second passage we're gonna look at as we turn to our second point, which is a resolve to pray. It's kind of an interesting, interesting verse I chose. It will require some explanation on my, heart, on my part. <laughs> One verse is all we're gonna read. This, this is it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The reason why I chose this verse with the point resolve to pray is because in college, most of the time what we do, even though I'm out of college, I still tend to live this way. We want things and we pray God into them. We see things we want, and we ask God to come into our plans. We want and we pray. When in reality, what we're called to is we're called to ask the Lord and obey. We want and pray, that's the wrong way. What we're really supposed to be doing is asking the Lord and obeying. Or it could be even said, pray and obey. Either way, you can figure it out for yourself. Here's the deal. Most of us like living for ourselves. As we walk with Jesus, most of what we're doing is we're just trying to invite Jesus into our plans for our lives. And I think so many of us in this room are missing out on what God really wants for us. Because we're simply doing all that we wanna do for ourselves. And so here's what I wanna I want you to know is that when you pray through your day, you tend to be living for God through your day. And the reality is most of us aren't praying through our days. 
three meals doesn't count necessarily. There's this passage in Nehemiah, and I'll try to give, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. But Nehemiah is this cupbearer to the king. He drinks, drinks the stuff to make sure there's no poison in it. And Nehemiah gets this opportunity in front of the king. Uh, the king says, "Hey, like, what's up with you? Why are you sad? What's going on?" And Nehemiah, uh, um, the king goes. It says, "It's behind me." If, if you're so, you don't have to turn there. It, the king says, "What are you requesting?" And Nehemiah, in the moment, said, or I love the way it's said, Nehemiah says of himself, so I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king. So he wasn't saying what he wanted to say. He was saying what God wanted him to say to the king. And I think whenever we think about like praying through a day, we kind of think of it as this intense thing. We're kind of like, no, you know, The Bible doesn't really say to pray at all times. You're wrong. Ephesians 6, check it out. God's talking about the armor of God. He says praying at all times. That's what we're called to do is put on the armor of God and pray at all times. And I once had a teacher while I was at Baylor tell me that that's not what it meant. And I just was like, excuse me, I didn't actually do this, but I was just kind of thinking in my head, excuse me, that's what it says though. And I think it's so important that, that we understand the, the power of prayer because so many of us are just, we're not dying to ourselves and we're simply doing everything that we want. And so dying to ourselves, resolving to die and re- resolving to pray kind of go hand in hand. Because if we live each and every day without praying, we're living apart from Jesus. We're living apart from him. And what John 15 says, which is my favorite, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, John 15 says that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. And so an honest question for us tonight is why do we think we can go through our entire day without praying or apart from Christ and think that we can do something? When John 15, Jesus said it himself, I'm not sure where you stand on Bible um, uh, application or interpretation, but in the end, most people would admit like they really trust what Jesus says. I'm just saying, Jesus said, apart from Him, we can do absolutely nothing. Yet most of our days, we're we're just kind of living for ourselves. So I'm asking us to resolve to die, and I'm asking us to resolve to pray, because we're just dumb sheep. I was in Israel last year and uh, this time of year actually, and I was dri- we were driving around and all of a sudden I realized the sheep in Israel where Jesus was or lived, I think we were actually in Bethlehem when I had this realization. Um, I had this realization that the sheep in Israel are really ugly. Like, I don't know why, it just struck me. We're driving through the countryside and I'm like, you know what? I think American sheep look good. These guys, these guys look kind of funny. Like they have like matted hair. They're, they're just kind of like, they just stumble around. And it, it brought whole new meaning to the whole like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because what that means is that we're just sheep. We're just these scrubby sheep. <laughs> and so what I'm saying as, as we resolve to pray, what I'm saying is, I would love for us to be living our lives asking the question, Lord, show me what faithfulness looks like today. Tomorrow morning, maybe you wake up and you pray this prayer, Lord, show me 
what faithfulness looks like today. Help me to notice the opportunities that you have placed in front of me. And I was talking with one of my friends last night about this and he was saying, Dale, you just need to be praying. Show me what the faithfulness looks like in the next 60 seconds. I can't even get ahead of myself in that way. I said, that's a great prayer too. I'm gonna make sure to tell him that and I'm not gonna give you any credit for it. And so that's what I want us to do. That's what it means to resolve to pray, to be going about our day asking the Lord, what does obedience look like in this moment? Just as Nehemiah did. When the king gave him an opportunity, he said, he prayed to his God. And then he told the king of the opportunity that he wanted to take, that he wanted to go in. C.S. Lewis has this great example in, in this quote. And it says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We, have, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer at a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. C.S. Lewis. We're settling for sandcastles when we're called to the kingdom of God. And so that's the second point. First was resolved to die. Second was resolved to pray. And third will be resolved to go. We'll go to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, if you'll turn in your Bibles, we're just doing Bible drills. They used to call these sword drills back in the day. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it's behind me. It's Jesus speaking again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. The first word is go. That's the, first, that's the third point tonight. Resolve to go. You might be asking the question, Dale, where do I go? Totally valid question tonight. The answer is go to class. I wish somebody had told me that more when I was in school. Go to class, go to your house, go to your, uh, your, your small groups that you work on projects on. Those are called group projects, that's what they're called. Um, <laughs> go to all the different places that you normally go and make disciples. When you go to class tomorrow and you're sitting down next to a person that you've never met before, greet them. I love what, what Matthew says. It's in Matthew 5, 47. If you greet only your brothers, if you greet only the people you know, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the pagans do that? It's a wake-up call for all of us that go into class and never talk to anyone outside of the people that we know, that wear our same letters or play our same sport or do the same stuff. Go, go to work, go to those group projects, go everywhere and make disciples. And you might say today, like Dale, I'm just more of one of those like relational evangelists, am I right? Like that's the way you are. You wanna build up some rapport before you just go, you just jump in and be like, Jesus is the answer to everything, let me tell you about him, right? Okay, that's great too. Then I'd love for you to write down this verse, Philippians 2, also one of my favorites, 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. If that's the way you're gonna do things, go and consider everyone better than yourself. My friend David Winston, one of my roommates in college, uh, he would 
he would live by this, but he would do it in an extreme way. He would do it so much that you would have to ask him what was different about him. It was literally his goal. He, if he, was, he took the same approach, and in everything that he did, he would over-serve, over-give, over-sacrifice, over this, over that, and finally, I'll never forget it, we have this one friend who was like, dude, what is wrong with you? you no one is like you. And I just want you to know, you're not always gonna be asked that question, but if, you're, if you are gonna take this route, be sure to do it this way. And so go to class, consider others better than yourself, go. Baylor is, is starting this marketing campaign. Has anyone heard of it? Nope. Check social media, hopefully it started today. They told me it did, I don't know if it really did. But it's called Baylor Lights. We saw those signs at the front. Nobody, okay, I guess I'm informing all of you of this incredible marketing campaign that Baylor University has chosen to do. And the reality is Baylor, how many of us follow Baylor on Instagram? Good, you should follow Baylor on Instagram. This is free press for them. They should pay me for this. You should follow, you should follow Baylor on Instagram. It's an incredible account, uh, but here's the reality. Baylor's coming out with this new marketing campaign. It's called Baylor Lights. And it's, a campaign, an initiative to talk about how Baylor is meant to be a light on a hill. We're meant to be salt and light. And quite frankly, I'm proud of Baylor University uh, for doing this. I've never seen a campaign like it. A full-scale campaign with athletics, the institution, it's everywhere. It's good, it's not everywhere, obviously, because none of you know about it, but it's about to be everywhere, right? But here's the deal. This marketing campaign's great, but what I would love for us to do as Baylor University is to actually live it out. Tonight, there's gonna be these things as you leave, these like glow sticks that Baylor gave us so that I could inform you and break the news to you that there's a new initiative. <laughs> you can take one and you don't have to. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but I just want us to do that which we're called to do and to be that which we're called to be. I think I could illustrate it this way, this third point of resolve to go, resolve to make disciples, resolve to tell everyone. Does anyone know what these are? Okay, I'm gonna inform everyone of this. These are called aftershocks. These are the greatest Christmas gift I got this year. My mom told me I was gonna get AirPods. They sold out. But another friend came in clutch and mailed me these, okay? These are amazing. Let me tell you about them for a few moments. These do not go into your ears. I didn't think through the mic thing. But it, okay, so these do not go into your ears. You know those, like, you know if you like keep them in your ears too long, they start to hurt? These are amazing. There's these speakers that, that, that make noise, I guess. I don't really understand how it works. But I can hear music. But I can also hear what's going on around me. So they're a really safe thing. And they're also really light. You can run with them. The only problem is you can't swim with them. Um, so I don't know if any of you swim, but probably not. But these are a great product. <laughs> I hate swimming. <laughs> Anyways, lost everyone. New Year's resolution for me was to swim more. We'll see if it ever happens. So um, these things, my greatest Christmas gift, I have been telling everyone about them. I'm like, hey, if you run and listen to music, 
This is for you. If you bike and listen to music, this is for you. You guys don't bike. But I'm just saying, this is for you. That way you can hear cars coming and honking at you. Or you can hear as you're working when somebody is actually talking to you. You can hear them. It's safe. There are these new things. This is the greatest Christmas gift I've gotten. And what I realized is that all of Christmas break, I'm telling everyone about these new aftershocks. Aftershocks should pay me. I'm like their new mascot, okay? I'm telling everyone about them how incredible they are, how well they work. I'm trying to get other people on board, all this stuff. Aftershocks. Supposedly, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of my life and I'm not that willing to talk about it. Like that Christmas gift that I got randomly. I'm like evangelizing about these aftershocks and some of you are gonna go buy them because you're smart. (laughs) But the reality is so many of us are ashamed to talk about the gift, the supposed greatest gift. That's what we claim, right? As, As followers of Jesus, we claim it's the greatest gift that's ever happened to us, correct? And the reality is I was standing over there just before I came up to speak. And this group of people, we always have a group of volunteers pray over the speaker every week. And I got uncomfortable because of how loud they were praying. I was like, I'm ashamed. I want, I want to tell them to be quiet. Why? They were praying for me. How twisted is that? I'm ashamed of that. I started crying. I'm like, I'm pathetic. I don't, I don't want people to think I'm some crazy Christian. I need, I, guys, quiet down while you're praying for me. I don't want people to think we're crazy. No, I was ashamed. I care more about the earbuds told more people about the earbuds this Christmas break than I did about Jesus. He was literally the reason for the season. So I'm asking us to resolve to go, to share the greatest gift. If it's really the greatest gift, may we, may we talk about it like it's the greatest gift, like Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that ever happened to each and every one of us, and he should be, because the reality is he died for us. He's the very reason we have life. God knew that left to ourselves, we'd be ashamed. That's why he gave us Romans 1, 16. You've heard it before, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Don't be ashamed, resolve to go. That's my challenge to you. That's the way I wanna start the new year. I don't want a resolution, I want us to resolve. Live with resolve. And the reality is that most of you are gonna forget everything that I just said tonight. And so I'm gonna give you something weird that I don't usually give people, or I don't usually give vertical, and that is some, uh, a way to remember tonight as you move forward. As you resolve to move forward and resolve to die, resolve to pray and resolve to go. I almost forgot it just then. Those three things, here's here's the reality. I want everyone to hold your hand up like this. This is so cheesy, I do not care what you think. This is what it is. Resolve to die is down. Resolve to pray is up. And resolve to go is out. Down, up, 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 out. You won't forget that, okay? Down, up, out. 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 You laugh. (laughs) 
Resolution 37 from Jonathan Edwards, resolved to inquire of ourselves every night. This is Jonathan Edwards, going back to our homie, that's like our spiritual hero. Resolve to inquire of ourselves every night as we're going to bed. Where I have been negligent in the sins I've committed and where I have denied myself. Jonathan Edwards would ask himself the sins that he committed and the ways that he lived faithfully denying himself. And don't miss this. At the end of every day, every week, every month, and every year. Down, up, out. It's a way of life. Resolve is a way of life. Resolutions fail. I'm gonna close with this. In the 1950s, a group of Wheaton students went to Central America on a mission trip, and uh, they went, and there there was loss of contact with these students. Uh, Nobody heard from them, nobody knew where they went, and so they sent a team down to Central America to find out what happened, to try to find them and return them home. And what they found was a group of students were in in a riverbed, and they they, they had been killed by a group of Native Americans in Central America. And uh, it was devastating, devastating news that these students had died. And um, it, it actually caused quite a ruckus uh, across America. And Life magazine came out with this thing, um, this thing. They came out with an article. That's what magazines do. And um, they came out with this article that pretty much said, <laughs> it said that the Christian missions is a really sad thing. It it, it talked about how Christian missionary organizations are taking the cream of the crop and are sending them to these places to die. And Life Magazine produces this entire entire article about how bad this whole movement of of going is and and Christian mission is and how, how destructive it's been. And Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband, Jim Elliot, died in the mission field published a quote of Jim's from his journal. And it, it said this, and I think it's, it sums up well all of tonight for us. And it said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We give what we can't keep, our lives and the things of this world to gain that which we can never lose, which is salvation through Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray.